0: Great to have you with us at Curious Conversations About Sex, brought to you by Curious Creatures. In case it's not clear from the title, this podcast includes conversations about sex, so have a think about who's in earshot and enjoy. Today, Shawnee Love, award-winning sex worker and sex educator, is back with us. The question we're tackling gets us into all sorts of interesting spots, such as the process of undoing gender conditioning and socialisation, removing the link between being attractive and being sexy, and a few reflections on the nature of the industry... and life. You can find Shawnee at shawneelove.com and for those of you near Melbourne, Australia, uh, Shawnee's is running a 7-day retreat on sex magic at the start of January 2019. Links are in the show notes. And so to today's question, which is, what do you wish you'd been told about sex or the sex industry when you were just starting out? So, I don't know. I'd love to hear from you first on this one.
1: Okay, thank you very much. What do I wish I'd known about sex and all the sex industry as I yeah. was starting out? Yeah. So, um, sex is a massive field with lots of different room for specialization. That it is. Yeah. Like,
0: it really is huge. It's, it's huge. It's just huge.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like saying, what do you wish you knew about planet Earth before you got there? Mm. And there's so much to know.
0: Wait, can I, like, how would you say, like, which parts of it do you, which parts of that huge umbrella do you identify as being a part of? Um,
1: I was, well, that's, even that's a broad question in itself. I was born and socialized as a male and i was born and socialized that there were two genders and they liked each other or hated each other <laughs> <laughs> and um, as the case yep. may be there was a love-hate going on later on i learned that there was more than two genders and i learned that that these two genders aren't necessarily in a love-hate relationship with each other that mm. people can mingle erotically within their own gender mm. um I was brought up to believe that sex was for procreation and you can have a few wanks in the meantime, but mm. yeah, sex is for mm. making the next generation. So a lot of this mm. has been deconstructed inside myself and yeah. I hope it gets deconstructed into your listeners. Yes. Um, sex is for pleasure. Yeah. Sex is for pleasure. And your gender is um, not relevant to your erotic pleasure, your ability to receive pleasure. Mm. And gender roles aren't fixed. So I spent a lot of time deconstructing my gender role, and I'm still in a process of doing that. I feel like I do default to male. Yeah. But I've, you look at a, If you draw a chart for yourself, dear listener, and go, this is what female means, and say this is what male means, and then you do look at yourself and compare it to the chart and try and do the opposite to see how it feels. So I was told, boys don't cry, so I let myself cry. Mm. And boys don't wear pink, so I let myself wear pink. Mm. And it's like a conscious act of defying the prescribed gender roles. But even if I do that somehow, I sort of bounce back to male.
0: Mm. Yeah, That's nice. Can yeah. I just, like, interrupt your story for a second Please. to say that... Um, a similar little moment that the one time in my life where I've been suicidal to the point of actually making plans I came out of that period uh, I'm glad um, and I wound up making a list The qualities I felt I'd been ascribed. A lot of them were based on gender, and the qualities that I hadn't been ascribed based on gender. I remember going through the ones I did have and putting a line through some of them, as in, no, actually, they're not serving me and they're not useful. And then some of the ones on the other column, putting a circle around the ones that I felt that I'd missed out on, but that I really Mm -hmm. wanted. And so, yeah, it was deliberately setting out. And that was also back in the days where I was looking at it from a there's two genders, that kind of a perspective. Uh But yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's beautiful. I mean, That's similarity. a nice overlap
1: there. Yeah. 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 So to deconstruct the internalized programming.
0: Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. And you really do need to consciously wrench it away from that conditioning because it's so
1: strong. Yeah. And that overlaps things like gender preference or yes. orientation. Yes. Um, so I was brought up to be heterosexual and like girls. I thought, how true is this? And can I deconstruct it? So I tried to explore attraction with people who weren't women Mm. men and try to you know by being in their presence by doing erotic things with them And yeah, I've sort of deconstructed my internalized homophobia, Mm. I think that's the best way to call it.
0: You've really got to do a lot of work on stripping out your homophobia before you can even work out what your level of actual attraction to other folk in a body like a little bit like yours is. Yes, exactly.
1: Mm. So that's a really empowering and important act. And you can, for some people, it might start with hugging a man or s- hugging someone of the same gender, yeah. or eye gazing with someone of the same gender.
0: I can still remember the same the first time I was just literally in a room with uh, another you know, man type of person and being aroused. That was, mm-hmm. was like a huge breakthrough moment mm-hmm. for me to have actual arousal. It wasn't even with him; it was with mm-hmm. I was aroused with someone else. Uh-huh. But just that moment was huge. Uh huh. Beautiful.
1: Yeah. So, even though I've done my best to deconstruct internalized homophobia, I do feel mm. I've bounced back to heterosexuality. Yeah. Um, and most of my arousalism is based on the polarity.
0: Good for you, by the way. Like, yay you
1: for finding where you actually exist on that, like,
0: wibbly-wobbly spectrum.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so I've d- deconstructed as much as possible to become as aware and conscious as possible. Mm. And that's an important act of mine. Getting to know Eros. Yeah.
0: Cool. Mm. And so that led you towards the sex industry in some capacity? Well, or?
1: part of the deconstruction process, part of the journey to self-knowledge, was learning about sexuality, learning about kink, so going mm. to lots of different workshops, learning about Tantra, learning mm. about sex magic. Yeah. Um, so I'd go to as many workshops as I could. And I read books book by Raven Kildera, And I thought, I've got to get Raven Kodera to come to London and teach. Is there a particular title, by the way, that you'd recommend? Dark Moon Rising. Yeah, (laughs) it's about the ordeal path. Yeah. Yeah, I'm quite drawn to the concept of ordeal as an initiation process. Yeah. So, yeah, everyone should read Dark Moon Rising. Okay,
0: so you got them to London.
1: Yeah, and so people from Prague... Came to that London workshop and they said, we can't afford to get Raven to come to Prague. Sean, will you come to Prague to teach? So I went to Prague to teach a workshop. And someone at that workshop said, can I have a private session? Mm. So I said, yes, I gave them a private session. Um, It was very empowering. And I thought, well, fuck, I need to start offering these sessions and Mm. um, put up a website and over the time I got more and more workshops and more and more private sessions and quit my other job wow yeah.
0: wow that's mm. actually a beautiful story to hear it's amazing how it unfolds yeah hey friends I'm interrupting with a favour to ask I create this podcast for free because I like spreading the good word of sex positivity I actually really dig it and if anyone wants to pay me just to make this podcast I'd be so on board with that but in the meanwhile, I have a favour to ask. For every ten episodes you listen to, please think about one episode that might appeal to one person in your life and send them a message suggesting that they have a listen. This is not like an actual contract between us, of course, because you didn't get any say in it. Um, but you'd be really helping the cause if you're willing to get on board with that. Thanks. And so... What things do you, like looking back, what things do you wish you were told as you were coming into that process?
1: Yeah. I was told, I wish I'd known that not all arousal is based on visual appearance. Huh. That's like. Probably a pretty big one, well, and scary. probably a really, ob-
0: probably an obvious one now. So most of your informed listeners. So, so just to check, are you saying that it doesn't so much matter how someone looks in terms of their ability to touch you or be touched by you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa.
1: Yeah, Woo! Woo! yeah. Woo! yeah. So that's like one of my pet favorite topics. Yes, that's been that was really big for me because I'm not like a six foot four. Uh, Chippendale Chippendale, and I'm not waxed and my cock isn't 12 inches long yet Mm. (laughs) and um, so I don't fit the stereotype or the tropes of what what a gigolo is or what a a gigolo should be and yet I'm very successful based on my skill Mm. and my presence, my ability to be present with my clients and Mm. these things far outweigh visual appearance I I wish I'd known that Um. Um, Huh. Yeah, take a deep breath on that.
0: I, 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 I imagine, w- was it a case of because you didn't identify as being the, the classic presentation of super buff, super muscly, <laughs> super masculine, whatever that is, did that kind of hold you back from really putting yourself out there as a worker?
1: Um, I had no idea I could be a worker. I had no yeah could didn't fathom that it was a possibility yeah yeah yeah
0: I know I know I used to um assume that I would have to play a particular type of a role in sex work and be be that that typical thing of a gigolo or whatever and my god it's just so not me including presentation and looks (laughs) um, and just learning to be present and be real and be myself I relate to what you're saying is what I'm saying. Mm. Yeah, so go on. So, anything else you wish you'd known?
1: I guess the other thing I wish I'd known is that it's quite empowering for people to hand money over in exchange for a service. Ah, how so? Yeah. So, when someone pays me, like part of me wants to do everything for free because I love it and I want to help people empower themselves. Mm. But when they actually hand me money that they've earned, Mm. there's something deeply empowering in themselves for taking hold and taking control of their own journey. Mm. So I wish I'd known that back mm. in the days because I was doing a lot of free sessions or really cheap sessions or assuming that they couldn't afford a rate, so offering concessions yeah. before even price was negotiated. Yeah. But now if I say this is the price, it's quite empowering for that person to say, yes, I'm going to invest this much money or I'm going to spend this much money to, mm. to have these experiences. So I wish I'd
0: known about that money aspect back in the day. Do you think that what happens also is that when one pays for sex, one is buying clarity? Like it's a relatively defined, clear, succinct exchange? Yes. Yes, good point. well phrased.
1: Yes. Mm. Yeah. Often when two people are coming together for sex... It's murky. It's murky. Or they're trying to bash mm. each other's genitals together. They're trying yeah. to please each other at the same yeah. time. Yeah.
0: And 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 yet... Maybe you feel like you're doing the other person a favor. Maybe you feel like they're doing you a favor. Well, whatever the case, it makes it harder to specifically ask for what you want and say, "Actually, you know what? That's not quite right for me. Let's do it differently."
1: Yes. Or, yeah. So, in the context of a session, yeah, someone can ask for exactly what they want, often for the first time asking for exactly what they want. So that's oh. like a really beautiful thing.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm,
1: I'm, I'm touching my heart. Yeah, <laughs> I'm really. touching my testicles, but yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> um all right shall i say a, a little please tip? show me oh. everything okay yeah. great well, well so my mine's pretty pretty brief I, i've answered on the podcast before about things that i wish that i'd been told when i was just get started getting started in the world of sex and they uh, lots of similar things around communication gender freedom um that i am a fabulous slut um, mm-hmm. and just the importance of communication in, in sex but, but when it comes to the sex industry specifically, uh, so yes, I'm a sex worker, but the majority of what I do is in running workshops and also public speaking and writing on topics of sex and sexuality and so forth. And I guess one of the things that I sometimes find myself chatting about with other people in the industry that I wish I'd been told at the start was... It's a very complicated industry because when someone is criticising your business, they are often criticising your sexuality or your relationship style or the way you conduct yourself. Like they are so personally linked, um, it's not. It's not a product you put in the outside world like an architect. An architect draws a picture of a building, um, and it's not quite so personal. But yeah, it gets very personal, and that's okay. Like that's potentially fine. Like there's nothing wrong with personal criticism, but when it comes from a commercial competitor or someone that's envious of success or something, that line between, um, shall we say, like boisterous commercial competition and deep personal attack is they're quite fused. So I I notice a lot of people find that confusing around me. A lot of people find it challenging, and it creates some interesting dynamics in the industry.
1: Hmm. Are you yeah. saying people are jealous of your successes?
0: Um, and they attacking? Are you saying that? from time to time? Sometimes, mm. yes. Uh, I think as soon as anyone in this sector becomes a little bit prominent or a little bit known, that mm-hmm. um, that just naturally, just just the nature of being humans is that uh, sometimes people find others will find that a, a threat or whatever. Yeah. 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 And if that's where the source of the criticism is coming from, then it yeah, it just winds up being quite murky and quite mm. complicated. Mm. And it can be quite hurtful, I imagine. Mm. 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 Well, blessings to you for navigating those challenging spaces. Mm. One does one's best. Yeah. One does not always succeed. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Mm. Um, But, yeah, it's not a big gripe. It's not the total experience. For the most part, I find the sector – there's a lot of camaraderie. There's a lot of support. There's a lot of a sense of – I I find there's a lot of a sense of shared resources and information and skills. So Mm -hmm. for the most part, I find the sector a really – uh, a sense of siblinghood, yep. uh, with, with with folks, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I find it also very diverse
1: because there's people on all economic scales in the industry. People who mm-hmm. uh, economically don't have much choice other than to. Become working in the sex industry versus mm. to very high-end people who are charging quite a lot of money, and often these people are working together or communicating together about the industry, and yes. I had no idea that it would be so diverse in terms of social class.
0: Oh, yes. I was researching the other day and just looking at specifically at sex workers, um the The range is from about for full service. The range is from about eighty or a hundred dollars an hour through to two thousand five hundred. Just in the in the folks I could find on the top four or five pages of Google hits. Mm-hmm. That's an astounding yeah. range of class. That's an astounding yeah. hit of diversity. And it's the same in workshops, which is which is more my area. Um, I know in the past I've done workshops almost basically for free, and then at other times they're reasonably well paid enough to support me and. Mm support staff so mm-hmm. yeah there's such a range mm-hmm. mm. yeah actually it's, ha- it's hard to think of many industries and many sectors where you get that much class difference yeah mm-hmm. in one spot i would agree i agree yeah, yeah. so one shawny is there anything else you'd like to say about things that you wish that you'd been told when you were starting out into either your journey of sexuality or into the industry i think
1: there's a space in, completely regardless of your physicality your age, your color, your gender, your physical size—there's um, there's a niche for you. There's, so yeah, mm. if people want to get in the industry and they're holding back because they think they don't look right, I'll t- I'll tell them to take another look because I think looks is never going to slow you down in this
0: industry. Mm. Um, I'm reminded, just a little f- funny sidebar story to finish on. Um, I'm reminded, I, f- I forget who told me this story, but it was someone who booked a male sex worker um, sometime. Uh, this is going back to your reference about the, the Chippendale look and so forth. Mm-hmm. And they did. They picked someone who was, uh, by stereotypical uh, attractiveness standards, way up the top end of the bell curve, really super muscly, well-presented, whatever, whatever, I don't know, I'm just making this up, I mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, they turned up to the door and they just took one look at this person and felt the vibe of things and just said, yeah, really sorry, here's your money. I'm I'm, I'm not down for it and, and left. Mm-hmm. Uh, just beautiful little piece of evidence about how we think it's all about looks and it's so little to do with looks.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So hopefully that's been deconstructed on, on a large scale. Mm. Yeah,
0: okay. thank you. All right, yay. Thank you for sharing your stories. My pleasure. Anna. Yay. And that was Shawnee Love, who you can find at shawneelove.com, along with information about his uh, upcoming seven-day retreat on sex magic at the start of January uh, near Melbourne, Australia. Can you think of anyone that might benefit from hearing this episode? Share it with them now. It only takes half a minute. Yay!